So many people sell out their faith because they don't think the things of God are worth waiting for. So many people sell out their faith because they don't believe the things of God are really worth waiting for. And I'm speaking mostly tonight to the seniors, but also to the the rest of you. Because seniors are moving on, you're going to college. When you get to college, it's a completely different ball game. You're going to be surrounded with people that you've just met who know nothing about you. You can literally define yourself as someone completely different. I used to joke around saying, oh, when I, you know, start a new semester at school, I'll be in a class where no one knows me. And what if I just spoke in a British accent the entire semester and the last day of school, I just drop it. And I'd be like, aren't you from Britain? I'm like, why would you think that? That's so weird. There's always things that I want to do in college, and maybe you guys can start taking me up on these, these challenges I presented myself I never did. Or the other thing I really wanted to do that I never did was just stand up in the middle of class and go, ah! Sometimes I think about doing that in church, but I would get fired. <laughs> can you imagine? Like you pretend to be demons. Oh, I shouldn't give you these ideas. Anyway, everyone hates the concept of selling out, Right? Everyone hates it when you're going with the flow, you're, you're working for the man, everyone hates selling out. And that's why I haven't cut my hair. That's why I still have long hair and so many people, like I remember Angela Paschitti, who's not here, but she's going to be a freshman. She came up to me after I taught on a Sunday at a Sunday service at Ignite. She's like, Alan, can you please cut your hair? She's crying. She has tears in her eyes. Can you please cut your hair? I'm like... I didn't know it was that emotional for you, but no, I'm sorry. So that's why I haven't cut my hair. But you can think of a band that you like, right? Where they were really good, but then they sold themselves out. And now all of a sudden you hate this band. It's like, uh, I don't know, the, the one band that was hardcore, you know, they, they screamed, they were heavy, had the breakdowns, and then they sold themselves out for the label, and now they're singing about ponies, and before they're like, oh, 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 and now they're like, oh, ponies, we love ponies, or donkeys. <laughs> and why is it that we get disappointed when someone, get, when sell, someone sells themselves out? We get disappointed because they gave up the one thing we admired about them for something that was selfish and of less value. So in that case, it might be uh, we're mad at them for selling out because they gave up what was unique about them, what made them different for money. And because we value money less than uniqueness, we look at them and we're, we feel sorry for them. But in their mind, they've gained because they weren't really after being unique and being artistic and being someone different, like they've probably wrote about in their lyrics. They were after the money. And when we find out they're after the money, we think, oh, what a loss. How terrible. In the same way, have you found yourself compromising the things of God for something else? I think we can all think of one instance in our life where we've sold ourselves cheap because we gave up the things of the Lord for something that wasn't everlasting, for something that was temporary, something that was worldly. It might have been just the simple fact that you talked to all your friends about your problems. And oh my gosh, this boy doesn't like me. Oh my gosh, this person said that about me. And you don't give it up to God in prayer at night. You sapped up all that energy letting that out 
that when it's time to pray to the Lord, you're like, oh, Lord, I, I already told like 50 people about this, so I don't really feel like telling you. So you spend maybe 30 seconds in prayer because you don't think of bringing your problem to the one who can actually fix your problem. You just want to hear yourself complain. I found that most often when people complain, it's, it's not that they want their problems fixed. They just want other people to sympathize with them. So when you give them a solution, like, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, my phone is so slow. I got a Blackberry. Well, no one has Blackberries besides me, but oh, I can't. Why don't you get an iPhone? I don't want to get an iPhone. I, just, I don't like them. People just complain, and they don't want solutions. It makes me frustrated with everyone. It's true. Or maybe instead of being encouraging to someone else, you've given that up. You've given up the good use of your mouth to tell dirty jokes or to curse. And I know lots of you that are sitting in this room right now that have used your mouth not to glorify God, not to encourage people, but to curse other people, to make light of a situation that someone's struggling with, or to blaspheme God himself. And you take it lightly because you think no one sees. And in fact, God sees, God hears, but you don't value what God thinks. You don't value what God wants for your life. You value what other people think about you. And so, because your view of God is so low and your view of man is so high, you'll be willing to sacrifice your language and say, well, you know what? It, who cares if it's, you know, if I curse once in a while because everyone curses. Or, you know, that's, that word's really not that bad. They have it on advertisements now or it's on TV all the time. Why can't I say, you know, there's no real passage in the Bible that says you can't use curse words. So why can't I say that? And because we're so concerned with what man thinks, we compromise. Or maybe it's the way that you dress. And you don't think about what God thinks or what be edifying to other people around you and thinking, well, you know what? I got a body, so I got to show it off. And so you ladies out there, you wear revealing clothing. And you're like, well, people shouldn't be looking. Like, oh, really? And instead of thinking, well, how can I bless the men in my youth group? How can I bless God and glorify God with the way that I dress? You say, well, what makes me feel good? And what do other people think about me? And you want people to compliment you. You want people to comment on your Facebook or like your status or whatever it is. And you say, well, I don't value what God thinks about me. I care more about what people say about me. It doesn't matter what the Bible says about Jesus dying on the cross for all my sins because he loves me so much. I care about that one person telling me on Facebook, hey, you're kind of cute. Or you post yourself on those Facebook groups that are like hot or not or whatever the version of it is now, teen whatever, and you post yourself out there like, all right, let's see what I got out there. Let's see who's going to make me feel good inside because you don't care about what God thinks about you. You care about what people think about you. Well, this is a sorry situation called selling yourself out. But before we go over three reasons why people sell themselves out, let's read Genesis chapter 25, a very popular passage between two brothers named Jacob and Esau. Now Jacob was born after Esau. They were twins. Esau was born first. So he had the rights of the firstborn, which means you inherited everything. And back in their day, the most important thing to them wasn't necessarily looks. It wasn't necessarily status. It was 
being the firstborn and inheriting your family's name because they thought that if you were the one that carried on the legacy, the, the, your family's legacy, then that's what gave you your identity. So for them, the rights of the firstborn was the most important thing. Now Esau was firstborn, so he had those rights, but let's see what he did with them in, in uh, verse 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his, oh, it's not quotes anymore. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. And then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. There are two things I want to point out here. Here's Esau. He's starving. Oh my gosh, I need to eat something. That was his need. His need was so important to fill his stomach that he was willing to trade anything for that hunger. So here's Esau. He's been hunting all day. He's like, I'm starving. It's like, you're not dying. He's like, oh, I'm going to die. I'm sure you can relate with that. So here's Esau coming in. Jacob's like, oh, well, I have this good red lentil stew. Do you want to drink some of it? You want to eat some of it? And Esau's like, well, yeah, duh, I'm starving to death. And Jacob's like, well, why don't you sell me your birthright? And Esau's like, birthright? Why do you want me to sell me your birthright? Okay, fine. And there he goes. He despised his birthright. And the interesting thing comes in verse 30 where it says, therefore his name was called Edom. Edom means red. So you see, Esau got the nickname Red because it is the very thing that he gave himself for, the thing that he esteemed most important, which defined him. And do you know that whatever you think is the most important thing in your life, that thing defines you. That becomes your identity. Whatever it is that we worship, that is the thing which becomes our identity. And that's the thing that defined Esau for the rest of his life. He thought the stew was so important. It was so good, so good that he gave up everything else for that stew. And for the rest of his life, he was nicknamed Stew. Not Stuart, but Red Stew. That was a really corny joke. Second thing is he didn't realize how much his birthright was worth. It wasn't just a simple thing of you inherited your family's inheritance, but through that birthright that Jesus eventually came into the world. The blessing of the Messiah, that God himself would come down into our world and mingle with humans. That could have been Esau, but he gave that up and said, I don't really care about things of God. I care right now about how I feel at this moment, and right now I want to eat something. And so many of us give up the things of God because we don't think they're worth waiting for. We don't want to wait for the feast that God has before us, we want to satisfy the hunger that we have now. So there's three reasons why we sell ourselves out. Number one, we can't repress our sinful desires any longer. Number two, we love ourselves. Number three, we don't believe the things of God are worth waiting for. So I'll go over them again, but first, number one. 
We can't repress our sinful desires any longer. So this is defining someone that wants to please God with their life. They want to do something great for God, but there's just this inner turmoil like we spoke last week about the inner desire, the inner human nature, and we just, we push them down. We're like, oh no, I don't desire those things. I don't like it. I don't want to check out those girls. I don't want to eat that stew. I don't want to, whatever it is, you just push it down and then eventually it's like, oh, I can't. I have to indulge in these pleasures. It's kind of like when I come home and my mom has made cookies and the scent of the cookies flares up my nostrils and I walk stumbled in this intoxicating gaze and I can't think. My body says, you're on a diet, Alan. And I said, no. No, I'm not. And I'm like, no, yes, I am. I am on a diet. And I'm fighting with myself in this inner turmoil. And then all of a sudden I'm unconscious and I wake up. And then the oven's on the floor. I have cookies on the other side of the floor. I think, my goodness, what happened? (laughs) And you might be treating some of your sins like a, a desire for cookies. Like eventually, it's, I'm going to cave in because I love cookies so much. And you say, well, how can I just stop loving the things of the flesh? Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, here's the thing. It's not you're just pushing them down for later and saying, yeah, well, eventually I might have one cookie. Eventually, I'll stumble here or there down the road. So, whatever. No, you're putting to death that old man. When you said, I'm not my own, I'm accepting what Jesus has done for my life, you have killed the old man. And it's not you who live anymore, but it's Christ who lives inside of you, living outwardly. So we have to actually put to death our evil desires. But I'm trying to be quick, so I'm not going to go in depth in these things. So, number two. We love ourselves. The first one was we we can't repress our sinful desires any longer, so we sell ourselves out. Second reason why we sell ourselves out is because we love ourselves. And I think all of us men here in the room that have been called nice guys can think of a time where you liked a girl and you were friendly with them. You, You guys are best friends, but you secretly had a crush on her and you did everything for her and then she dates a jerk. And you're just like, you don't even understand. They're not even Christian. And you're like, how could she turn down someone like me for that guy? Like, I've, have you ever thought it strange? Or like, I mean, not anymore because I'm older. But when I was in high school, I always thought it strange that you have like a really good looking woman and then a really ugly man as with her. And then you kind of think to yourself, why, how could she settle for someone like that? And we get angry when we, we sell ourselves cheap. But the reality is we love ourselves too much. And oftentimes we sell ourselves out because we think that there's someone out there that can satisfy that inward desire. Or we think there is something out there that if we only obtain it, then we can be truly happy. We say, I deserve to be loved. Everyone says, I deserve to be happy. And I actually have a friend that I've grown up with. We have parallel lives. Okay. He has a Christian family. I have a Christian family. We grew up together since Christian school. His dad served at the church. His mom served at the church. My parents did as well. Parallel lives, right? 
and so he had a brother, I had a brother. As we grow up, everything's fine, and it seemed like we always went through the same struggles at the same time, and I, I always have good conversations with this guy. But, and none of you know him, by the way, so don't even try to guess. But, one day, his father, this was about two years ago now, his father comes home, and, or he comes home, and his father's eating dinner with his mom, and he has a glass of wine at the table. So he thought that was weird, because, you know, he used to drink back in the day. He was like, oh, no, it's fine, because, you know, I'm forgiven, and... Christ lives in me, and the Bible doesn't say that you can't drink once in a while, so it's okay. So, a week later, his dad has an affair, leaves his mom, gets in a fight with both my friend and his brother, gets thrown in jail. You know, he has, I saw a picture of him, and he has, he's all beat up in his face, writes these uh, emails to his mom and him while he's drunk saying like, you know, curse words here, curse words there. I'm going to totally drop all my, you know, take all my funds out of the house and the mortgage. And you guys are going to be left with nothing. All from one simple thing. I deserve to be happy. And he first took everything else that was worth it. So my friend kind of unsettled, didn't know what love is, because, you know, his parents were happily married for so long, you know, multiple years, decades, and they, that, that marriage went through a divorce. He didn't know what love is. He gave up his virginity, and he tells me this all in one day, and he's just like, I just don't know what to do anymore, and I, I look at him, and I'm just like, like, what do you even say to that, Right? I wanted to be, I wanted to say to him, I was like, oh, no, I completely understand. I had no idea what he was going through. But what I did understand is that one person's desire to please themselves destroyed his entire family. And some, some of us are selling ourselves cheap because we think I deserve to be loved. What about me? And we give up the things that are really worth living for. Third reason is we don't believe that the things of God are worth waiting for. You know, it's a weird concept these days, patience. No one waits. We don't see our lives in terms of seasons. When you're going through a trial, you feel like you're going to be in that trial forever, for the rest of your life. You feel like if you're sad, you're going to be sad for the rest of your life. You feel like if you're struggling with something, it'll happen and you'll never conquer that sin. And you don't see your life in terms of seasons. You're, you've been alive for how long? 18 years max? And you're going to live for three, four times that much on earth possibly. But then for the rest of eternity, you're going to be in heaven. But we don't see our lives in terms of seasons because Satan says, this is everything. And you're never going to get out of this. And so we think, well, we just have to give in. Because we don't think that the things of God are worth waiting for. We forget that Jesus' fulfillment of his promise to us on the cross proves that we have someone worth waiting for. Do you realize like any time that you ever have doubt that Jesus loves you, just look to the cross. Any time that you think, well, what if God isn't going to make me happy? What if this thing in the world is going to please me more than things of God? Just look at the cross because God gave you everything you could possibly need for the rest of eternity in Jesus and he already fulfilled that, saying, this is the down payment. You're going to get the rest later. 
But some of us, just like we wait for our friends at the movie theater, and if they, we've been waiting for five minutes, we're like, oh no, what happened to them? But if it's, you know, someone you've known for a long time, you're like, okay, I'm not going to worry. I've, it's been five minutes. But if you just met the person, you're like, oh my gosh, well, they don't show up. Because you don't know the person, you don't know what they're like. Where some people, I know they're going to be late, so I can wait. Like Patty's husband. Patty Williams. Jason Williams. I can't see her, but. Yeah, Jason, okay. Jason is always late. And in fact, I mean, he's better now. But back when we worked at Exxon, he was working for this really old man who's like 80 years old. His name was Tony. I have great stories about him, but it's another time. Anyway, so he's working for this old guy, Tony. And Tony told me that he purposely tells Jason, I don't know if I ever told Jason this, he purposely told Jason to show up an hour earlier than he had to for the job because he knew he'd always be an hour late. So Jason showed up to the job and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And Tony would be like, oh, I'll have to forgive you. But he always told him, I don't know, there's a rabbit trail, but. <laughs> if you know the person, you're not going to be stressed out if they're late because you know they're always late or they're going to take a little bit longer. But some of us, just because we don't see the immediate effects, we think maybe God won't show up. But God always shows up because he already has shown up. He came down himself. Matthew 16, 26 says, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul. Fact is, maybe some of you can't wait for God because you haven't ever experienced God. Maybe you think God isn't worth waiting for because you're not really even sure what God's like. And if you experience God, you'd be willing to wait as long as possible. If you enjoy God, then you could wait forever if need be because you know He's coming. You don't have to ask yourself, is He even coming? Because you know He's coming. Just like one guy, his name was Caleb, back in the times of Joshua, he saw the promised land. He was one of the spies, 12 spies, went into the promised land, saw it, saw how plentiful it was, but everyone else got scared because they're giants. They're like, oh no, so they ran out. But Caleb, Caleb saw the promised land. He had to wait 40 years. Caleb was 80 years old when he finally got to the promised land and he said, let me kill those giants. 80 year old man. And he wanted the first shot at those giants because he had been waiting those 40 years for that moment. And he was prepared to fight it. And if you see the promised land, if you see what God has for you, you're not going to be the same. You'll say, I can't enjoy the things of this world. I can enjoy the desert. There is a promised land flowing with milk and honey waiting for me. And you won't be willing to trade anything for that. If you truly experience God and you know what he is like, the things of this world are going to look boring. And I say, how can I ever settle for something stupid like that? Because the things of God are the only things that could really fulfill me. Jim Elliott once said this quote, and I think a lot of you know it, but I'll close here. I'm sorry, I went like much longer than I wanted to. But let's chew on this quote as we close. Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. So you seniors that are leaving here today, you're gonna wanna compromise. The temptations are still gonna come because the things of this world are still appetizing. But remember, it's a desert. You're just passing through. Eventually it's gonna be gone.
And do you want to sell yourself cheap? Hurt every one of your friends. I mean, think about it. You walk away from the Lord and all of your friends look at your life and say, ah, I prayed for you all those times at youth group and you couldn't hold on. You couldn't hold on one more year till you get out of college. And you had to sell yourself. You had to give yourself up. You had to have sex. You had to look at porn. You had to drink. You had to smoke. And you give yourself up for things that aren't worth it. Because you don't think that things of God are better than those things in the world. You think the imperfect things are pretty awesome. And you say, well, let's just give ourselves up because this is the only thing that matters. And you look at your friends' opinions and you say, well, what they're going to do is pretty cool. And you don't care about God who's been standing there all along saying, what in the world are you doing? I died for you. Can you at least live for me? And we look at him and we ignore him like he doesn't even exist sometimes. So seniors, as you go out, I'm going to be praying for you. And as we close tonight, I'm going to ask a couple of you seniors that have something on your heart to exhort to the next generation of impactors. Think about the things that you've learned through your four years of impact what you would change, what you want to see happen. And let's keep running that race. Amen.